Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me slash discord. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Push the Roll, a low-prep, dialogue-only actual play series that incorporates ideas from our Patreon posse into the game as the story develops. Join up at patreon.com slash Slade to contribute and enjoy the madness. The year is 1974, and we are opening in Soho in London. Soho at this stage is a sort of mixture of odd things. There's still very much the remnant of the gay scene there, where, until fairly recently, there were a lot of perhaps underground clubs because sex between men was criminalised, but... That's now beginning to become perhaps slightly more accepted in public society. There's a lot of prostitution. There are the occasional sex shops and strip clubs and stuff like that. And then in amongst all this, there is also a little bit of the film industry. There are production companies and there is the headquarters of the British Board of Film Censors. So not far away from the BBFC offices on Wardour Street, we have a little office belonging to a film production company. I'm seeing this as being a fairly small company that has produced a number of public information films, perhaps TV commercials, maybe even some television or short film work and stuff like that, but certainly not a big media company. How about Fathom Films? Which I'm sure is a taken name, but (laughs) not in 1974. Fathom, because most of your public information films end up with someone being six feet under. I think so, yeah. (laughs) We had a valuable contract with the Coast Guard for a while, so we just did loads of drowning films. (laughs) (laughs) I'm playing Kirby Sullivan, who is an experienced TV director from the U.S., Born in Boston, then made his way to New York, and now is out of L.A., just so that no matter what accent I do, it it might make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So he's been working in TV for about a decade, and he has produced a lot of television commercials. That's his specialty. But his passion's really in public information films. And through one of his advertising contacts... He got this gig over in the UK. He's never been to London before. He's arrived fairly recently, so he's still kind of learning the ropes. But he's got salt and pepper hair. He wears a tweed jacket with elbow patches and a button-down shirt with a clip-on tie and, you know, pressed slacks. A lot of people are going to assume he behaves a certain way, but he actually does want this to work and tries to get along with people and motivate the crew. So he has good intentions as of now. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> Graham, you're next in line if you're happy to go. I'm playing Ben Christie, 
Ben is the tea boy, so you will see him at 10.30 and 3 o'clock every day uh, wheeling a tea trolley round, which has an, I'd like you to picture a sort of two layer trolley with an urn in which the tea will be. The tea is absolutely foul. <laughs> and a, a variety of cakes and in the morning sandwiches so that you can buy your lunch. Um, so maybe it doesn't quite work for the company. So he wheels this round at a lot of the local companies, a lot of the specialist bookshops and other companies that are about the place. Actually, is an expert in film production. <laughs> it's just something he's picked up. He's got a father who's into it. I mean, it's going to come up uh, during the game, but uh, isn't really involved in the films at the moment, but might well be. Is it fair to say that he's got ambitions of getting involved with the films? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd like that, I think. And, and also I'm quite hmm. looking forward to just looking at everyone else being rubbish with films and just kind <laughs> of raising an eyebrow the whole time, So because he actually knows how to do it. Mm. <laughs> and I'm an expert in cakes, so it kind of works both ways. Then going around, Nick, do you want to go next? Rosalind Alton Holmes. So she's a very arty kind of person, right? So she used to work in a clerk's office and now she is ecstatic to be working for this production company to finally be able to put her talents to good use. She was wasted in that little office. She is... Let's call her 35, which is a good age to be unmarried in the 70s, I feel. <laughs> she usually dresses in all black, but then has the most ridiculous, they're probably like red and white polka dotted horn rimmed glasses that are just like <laughs> thick frames. She always wears this ridiculous yellow trench coat and just whatever awful shoes she's found in the thrift shops around the area. And what else would be interesting? She's a writer. So she's a writer for the, uh, for the she writes all the scripts and she's not very good at taking criticism. <laughs> ah, I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> That's good. I have a 45 in screenwriting. We'll get along famously. Why, why do you have a... Listen. <laughs> you stay in your lane and I'll stay in mine. I'm guessing that Ben's got about 90. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. And finally, Ross. So if you imagine in the little offices of Fathom Films, draped over a chair <laughs> with enormous black frame glasses, holding his head, bloodshot eyes, clearly hung over, is Adrian Trumbull. Uh, people in the street might still recognize Adrian Trumbull from playing uh, Dr. Raleigh Pepper on the soap opera called Emergency! Exclamation <laughs> point. Yes. <laughs> but it's been a long time since he, since he had anything to do with that. His acting career has totally collapsed, but he has some really deep smokers pipes. And so he is the one that Fathom brings in to get on the mic to narrate um, and do voiceover mm. for the films. He believes it is totally beneath his dignity, but he needs the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he's here to either record something or as a favor to uh, the director, Mr. Sullivan. And um, his hair is obviously dyed black. Is that a little bit of rouge on his cheek? He is wearing a <laughs> cravat and um, there is a brimming teacup in his hand. Just to add something, are we allowed to say that he died at the end of the soap opera? So he's written out when he died. Can we do that? Oh, absolutely. The writers wrote him out for being too much of a handful. 
there was this whole thing where, you know, with a shark tank and he fell off, there was a PowerPoint into the shark tank and just to really make sure they had the PowerPoint fall into the shark tank just to make sure that character got written out. Yes, absolutely. Soap opera rules are if they don't find the body, the character can always come back. But they spared no expense having his character's body ripped asunder by a shark on screen. <laughs> oh, nice. Well... It is a Thursday morning, and you have an appointment at 10 a.m., so I think nice and convenient for Ben bringing the tea around. In particular, Cecil Dalrymple from the Central Office of Information is due to be coming in about some new commissions. He's your regular contact to the COI who commissions a lot of these public information films that you do. Now, for the sake of the listeners who may not be familiar with this, the public information films that we're talking about are things that were made by the British government, or at least commissioned by the British government, from, oh gosh, the Second World War onwards. They're short films that perhaps may just be a few seconds long. Some of the longer ones are up to half an hour long. And they inform the public generally about certain risks and dangers or precautions they should be taking for the public good, for public welfare. And in the early 70s, well, some of them got a little dark, but I'm sure we'll get on to that. So let's start then with Cecil Dalrymple turning up. He's a man probably in his late 40s, early 50s, a bit overweight, dressed in quite a nice Savile Row suit, pinstripe suit, with you know, fashionably wide lapels and a fashionably wide tie. He's a, a ruddy-faced man with broken blood vessels across his face and a reddish nose and big sideburns and the kind of comb over you could only get away with in the early 70s. He turns up perhaps about 10 minutes late. Uh, Sullivan, have we got uh, the usual meeting room? Yes, yes. Uh, everyone's here on time, Cecil. Uh, we're, we're ready to go. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, he looks very impatient, like he wants everybody <laughs> to be very prompt. Uh, yeah, we're, we're ready to go. Uh, I saw Adrian earlier. I know you wanted to talk to Adrian uh, personally. Yeah. Oh, yes, Adrian. I suppose we'd better have him in the meeting. Oh, are you are you thirsty? Uh, tea boy. Yeah, I got uh, tea. I don't think there's any coffee today. And if you want to get a sandwich for lunch, then uh, I'd get that now because they run out. No coffee. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Cecil, would you like some tea? No coffee, you say? Um, hmm. Do you have Darjeeling? That's Darjeeling in, in that urn. Yeah, you should have some. Very good. Very good. Hey, did you bring any of those jammy Dodgers today? I think we've got some jammy dodgers. There's some curly whirlies down there, and I think that's some sort of cake. Uh, if Let me know what it tastes of, and then I can tell anyone else I go around. Kirby's just picking things off the cart and trying them. The sandwich just has some brown stuff in. I don't think it's cat food, but you never know. And, and I think that's got some yellow stuff in. Okay, thank you, Ben. That's quite enough. <laughs> I just thought I'd give you the full tour. No, that's great. Cecil, help yourself. Uh, you're paying for it, so... Whatever you like. Uh, yes, yes. Um, he just points absently at a couple of the sandwiches. 
My God, Christy, are you trundling in here with your cart full of expectorants? Oh, God, get those out of my face. <laughs> Before I fall into a swoon. Dr. Pepper, but you you died. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> That's enough out of you, boy. A more sharp-tongued insult like that, and I'll have you right out the window. <laughs> All right, Doc, I'll I'll just stand over here in case anyone wants anything else. And then Rosalind comes, like, bustling in, arms full of notebooks and kind of papers and a a coffee, like a to-go coffee in her her hand. Hi, hi, hi. Uh, So sorry. Sorry I'm late. Uh, You know, traffic was terrible. (laughs) But I'm here now. Hello, hello. Oh, I stand corrected. Not everybody was on time, Cecil. Uh, Yes, we have a saying in the business, Holmes. (laughs) In this business, if you're on time, you're late. Uh, I... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure that's true for the for the the folk in front of the camera, right? But you know, us creative types, we have to when I, we're in the zone, we have to kind of stay there and get get out of the art, right? So, um, but I'm here now, so let's uh, let's get to it. Mm. Did you get the new ideas down for Cecil at least? Yes, yes, I did. Of course. Good. Okay. Don't worry too much about those, young lady. I, there might be a slight change of remit. I, this is what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Oh. That's fine. That's fine. She takes all of the papers that she has and she just, like, chucks them. That's fine. Kirby's going to unfold his red director's chair that he brings with him everywhere and have a seat. (laughs) Please, please. uh, Some of those ideas may be perfectly serviceable and uh, don't be too hasty, but uh, I don't think this has been made public yet, but... There is something of a a reorganisation going on in Westminster at the moment. The COI, God bless her, has been wonderful for what she's been able to accomplish over the years, but uh, there is a, shall we say, a a new direction that has come uh, from the Cabinet recently. And we are going back to making information a ministerial department again. It's been a long time. It's been almost 30 years, but uh, the Ministry of Information is is making a comeback. And we have been tasked with uh, producing more of these wonderful public information films that you've done such sterling work with so far. But uh, I suppose what we're looking for now is a more robust approach. You have done marvellous work with finding ways of alerting the British public to the dangers of everyday life in uh, really quite um, shocking ways. And this has had very definite effects on not only public safety, but I I dare to say the British psyche. (laughs) You have perhaps bred an entire generation of nightmares and we do appreciate that but (sighs) under the direction of the new minister we have been asked to find new and more exciting ways of stimulating that fear response in the British public of um, perhaps uh, you've done a marvellous work at, uh, for example, I can't go to bed now without checking the entire house for fire risks and making sure all the doors are closed. And I still have nightmares about flooded quarries and 
I'm sure if I ever saw it, an electrical substation, I'd break out in a cold sweat. That's a credit to Riz. That's, that's good work. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I know it was clever editing, but I swear I saw that child explode. <laughs> and let us not forget the, um, the basso profundo timbre of certain voices that overlay the images um, oh, uh, described oh. by the estimable uh, Miss Holmes. I pull one of the papers that she's thrown against the wall over and just like <clears throat> sliding my glasses down my nose. <laughs> concrete. I am wet concrete. This little boy thinks he can walk over me. He doesn't know how soggy and wet I am. Oh dear, now he's up to his knees in it. And this poor lad will be amputated from the waist down. Another victim claimed by me. Concrete. <laughs> So that, that's just an idea that I was playing with, you know, it's just, um... Kirby stands up applauding. <laughs> it's like Donald Pleasance walked in the room. Brilliant. Oh, no, oh, I saw Donnie around the club last week. You can tell he's lying. Adrian is absolutely, absolutely lying. Ben is just backed against the wall at the moment, staring at this, and actually really quite scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh... But yes, yes, this is exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about. And the minister has specifically spoken very highly of you, Mr. Trumbull. And the visceral reactions that your register can produce, it is exactly what we're looking for. So what I'm here to do today is ensure that you have some ideas that you can develop um, quickly, ideally, that will uh, perhaps help the British public find the terror in more everyday circumstances and activities. There are, I'm sure, moments of daily life in this country at the moment where people are, are not afraid of the everyday. And we now in the Ministry of Information want to bring that to a stop. Do I need to clear this with my embassy now that the ministry's involved? Not at all. Okay. You'll still be dealing with the same people. As I said, it's, it's simply a reorganisation. Good, good. All that really matters is that we have representation at cabinet level now, and the prime minister himself is very interested in your work. Really? Very interested. Has this uh, increased our budget by any chance? I'm sure accommodations can be made. He kind of gives a long look at Adrian. Interesting. Mm, yes. <laughs> we may be able to upgrade the, <laughs> the acting talent. No, he didn't say that out loud. <laughs> Adrian gives you a conspiratorial wink. Like, yes. <laughs> I think Kirby's twirling a pencil up in his beard and looks at Riz and says, uh, Pencils. Right? Everyday life, pencils. Right, right, right. The, the dangers of pencils, um, you know, stabbing in the eye. Uh, you know, you, you, you're walking and you trip and you stab yourself in, in the gut or you, I don't know, you fall on it uh, and it goes up your bum. I don't know. It could be anything, <laughs> right? Episode three, season four of Emergency, <laughs> Dr. Pepper extracted a pencil from the head of a small girl after a terrible schoolyard accident. Alas, she lost her powers of speech, but... Right. He, he could remove the pencil, but not the lead inside it. Quite, quite tragic. 
Ben says from the uh, back of the room, because he doesn't quite understand this as a work meeting and not just a conversation. He can't join in. (laughs) (laughs) Thermos flasks. Thermos flasks? They're like tea, but they've got glass in them. Mm. That is messed up. And I suppose, I suppose, says Dalrymple, that if you put boiling liquid inside a thermos flask, it keeps it at a dangerous temperature for a longer period of time, thereby perhaps extending the risk posed by hot liquids. Ooh. And they're everywhere. Young man, sit down, please. Join <laughs> us, join us. Okay, now Riz is a little bit like... <laughs> Right, right. So, and, and and they're everywhere, right? So, um, you know, it could be anything with the boiling water or you're walking along and you trip and it goes up your bum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I didn't read the entirety of that concrete script. It goes everywhere. Up to the knees. Up the bum. <laughs> There's a common theme in the work of Riz Holmes. <laughs> it happens more than you think is all I'm saying, you know. It just... Anyway... Is there something specific, uh, uh, Della Rimple, that we're supposed to be um, informing the public about? Surely the Ministry has something that they'd uh, like us to warn the, the public to avoid. Perhaps you've misunderstood the remit, Mr Trumbull. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> the Ministry is not terribly interested in what we're warning the public about. What we're interested in at the moment, what the current regime is primarily interested in is the reactions evoked by these warnings. Mm. We are interested in the intensity of the films. We're mm. interested in the uh, the fear reaction that they provoke. And more than that, I believe, I, I am not an expert on these things, but I believe it is quite easy to shock someone temporarily. But we are looking for the kinds of warnings that will provoke a a lingering sense of unease that will mm. lead people to distrust everything around them and become frightened of the quotidian. Yeah. I'm sorry, so, so you're saying that our film where the piano falls and you know the person steps aside and is able to avoid that but then slips on a banana peel and tumbles down the stairs you're saying that didn't have a lingering effect well i suppose it is a very specific set of circumstances perhaps if you were to revisit that subject matter and um, look at it from the point of view of wherever you stand there could be a piano above you then that might have more of the uh, more of the, the feel that we're looking for. So just something you'd see on any street, like you know, like a telephone box? Oh, yes, I, I suppose. If a telephone box were improperly wired, then perhaps it could provide an, an electrical hazard. Someone brushing up against it could be electrocuted. Or... Yes, sir. A malfunction in its hinges could trap one inside. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Ben is excited that everyone's excited about his ideas. He's like trapped in this telephone box, you know, being electrocuted. Yes. As it fills with water. Yes, yes, precisely. <laughs> no bad ideas, no bad ideas. Uh, it's blue sky. 
Riz breaks out of her momentary reverie trying to imagine how someone could take a phone box up the ass uh, to like <laughs> bristle again at how Ben's ideas are taking hold and just kind of shoots him the dirtiest look. It's the receiver. <laughs> ben sees that as a sort of approving, impressed look and just smiles back. Mm. Ben, didn't you say something? Maybe we could get them with tea, Cecil. You said tea could dehydrate you and you could die. When I finished the tea yesterday, you said, I might die because I drank too much tea. No reflection upon your skills as a tea maker, young Ben, but I do believe that this this cup that you've provided us with uh, does provide a, a significant health hazard on its own. Oh. Hmm. Ben, it's good. It's it's good. No, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, you know, I, I opened the tea bags carefully and everything. <laughs> yeah, but did you microwave the water for a full minute? Oh, we don't have microwaves, do we? <laughs> did it what? Water? <laughs> that must be some American thing. I saw a microwave at Joel Gray's house last week. <laughs> <laughs> Size of three suitcases. <laughs> He's absolutely lying. He's never been invited. <laughs> oh. Good. Well, I'm sure Riz could write something up, Ben, if you want to maybe refill the, the snack tray. Uh, we could have maybe a, sh- a sherbet fountain. Yes, I suppose the question is not so much the what is the how, since it's the response is what we're seeking to evoke. Um, in emergency, we'd often do it with gore, such as the, uh, the blood that filled the shark tank as, I was, uh, as my character was slain. But I suppose there are other methods of uh, provoking such a response. I think we've determined that young Ben here does have a singular insight into what it is that discomforts the ordinary British citizen, so I do very much want him involved with the production. Well, I... I could write a script. It doesn't seem too hard. I, uh, I... You know, the problem is that we're... Okay. It's it's easy to throw out these ideas, but to, you know, turn them into something that can really evoke the type of response. I just want to remind everyone, we're not just entertaining here. We're saving lives. Mm, Steady on, Riz. You'll get a story by credit. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Holmes, again, I think you have crucially misunderstood what it is I'm asking for. What we're looking for here is neither... A prophylactic measure, nor entertainment. What we're looking for here is the deepest form of discomfort. Like forgetting to breathe, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Everyone like shifts in their chairs looking around like, yes, that, that common horror. Uh. No, but Riz has uh, such a long list of credentials. I think maybe Riz could take the lead on the writing, Cecil. Hmm. Instead of Ben. I don't mind. I was just being useful. (laughs) I frankly don't care who gets the credit for it, but I am very taken with this young man's ideas, and I would like to see them put to use. Does he even know what's interior and exterior? And uh, there's a lot that goes into screenwriting, you know. I... No, you're, you're right. I do apologise for uh, breaking your work meeting. You know, I, I know one end of the camera from the other. I've operated a Super 8 for years, but, you know, I don't know anything about what you do. So I'll just take my tea trolley and go. Yeah, and you can see Dalrymple looks rather upset by this. And he said, well, 
I suppose I do have other meetings today with other production companies. Maybe some of them will be more accommodating to the Ministry's new direction. No, no, okay. no. I'm, no, I'm no, sure. No, okay. no, no. Oh, oh, this is a, a misunderstanding, obviously. Like, there's... Okay. I'm sure the Ministry, in its large and ample and ever-growing budget, will, will find a, <laughs> uh, a, a good home here at Fathom Films. Yeah. Now, this reminds me of when we did the Sunny Smiles serial commercials and we started with a script and it was animated and it wasn't dark enough for the producers. And then we brought in the live cast. And I, I think Riz actually put in a really interesting death into that commercial. And we can do this. We're, we're highly qualified for this. Uh, uh, ben could be uh, maybe uh, an ideator on the project. Uh, uncredited, of course. I have no idea what that is, but as long as he's involved, I'm happy. I've always wanted to be an ideator. That's great. Yeah, it's an LA term. You could you could even fly out. Yes, um. Kirby, we get it. You're from America. We understand. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we could all maybe uh, munch on some flying saucers and get to work. <laughs> marvellous, marvellous. Well, then what I would suggest is, as I said, I do have other meetings today. Perhaps I could visit you again tomorrow and you could let me know what it is you have planned. Then I can arrange for whatever budget it is you need. I must warn you that the minister herself is taking a personal interest in this particular project and... Um, she is perhaps likely to want to oversee certain aspects. Hmm. Though I hope for your sake she doesn't. Well, even if she does, we'll see too if she's not disappointed. Yeah, I think we could we could do this for twenty thousand pounds. Something in that ballpark. <laughs> twenty thousand pounds. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. <laughs> the ministry's involved. We'll see. It'll be a range. <laughs> the last one, I believe, was 700 pounds, but uh, this sounds more involved. So <laughs> so with that, Dalrymple makes his excuses and leaves of ready for his next appointment, leaving the, I guess, now four of you to plan for tomorrow's meeting. Do we know who this minister is that has given him this mandate? No idea. Hmm. Riz, do you want to take the lead on the, what do you call it? The th thesis or something? Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> the theme? It sounds like uh, that's a job for our ideator um, and just kind of like fully <laughs> turns towards Ben and leans back with her arms crossed across her chest. Ben takes that totally at face value and goes, oh yeah, I'm happy to do that if you'd like me to, sure. <laughs> Kirby will hand Ben a pencil, pointy side out. <laughs> Careful. Ben has no idea what the fuss about pencils is, and it just cheerfully starts writing things. You two um, have your little conversations with the muse, and then um, I shall attempt to breathe life into it when it is done. What if we do a demo? So he said he was going to meet with other production companies. We could do maybe the voiceover from Adrian today after we kind of flesh out the idea. And then we have some proof that we're the company. Fathom Films is going to get this done. So he said it's not, it's not about the what. It's about the, the how. The fear response. Yeah, yeah. We could bring people in off the street and gauge their reaction to some of the ideas that we, we get down today. 
You had something with fabric scissors, didn't you? Someone catches you using their fabric scissors and then uh, it's kind of like a fuck around, find out if you know, you know kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, I, I think that it's wonderful to bring people in to try to gauge their reaction, but we should probably have something that they can react to <laughs> if you see what I'm saying. <laughs> so you want to, like... Use the fabric scissors on the people. Okay, so what are we doing differently this time to evoke that greater fear response? I think that's the question that I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe more blood, more screaming, uh, younger children. No? (laughs) (laughs) These are all rather pedestrian, don't you think, Sullivan? We can always throw more blood, more violence, more gore, more more screams, more shrieks. Uh, we must meet our audience on a more um, psychological level. Mm. Perhaps some subliminal messages intercut between frames to implant, as it were, um, triggers of fear within within the very fabric of their minds. It's just a suggestion, but just as your ideator, what we could do is go out and just get into the streets and see what strikes us for inspiration. I, I uh, that's very, that's very sweet. That's a good, you know, a very, you know, first thought kind of idea. Oh, thank but, you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. Um, <laughs> all right. But what if, because, you know, we, we want to uh, draw from people's real experience, right? So um, what if we... We just went out into the world and and started to ask people, you know, for for what um what might scare them. Try to look for ideas, kind of, you know, get out of our heads and out into the world. <laughs> oh, that's good, Riz. That's very good. Thank you. I I sort of said, oh, never mind. It's all right. Don't worry. Could you refill this for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. There you go. Does anyone else want to top up? There's some flapjacks if anyone wants one. Thank you. Cup of tea, cup of tea. Uh, Dr. Pepper, do you want anything? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> just a top-up on tea, if you would be so kind, Mr. Christie. Bit more tea for you as well. No flapjacks. All right, I'll just be a man. Adrian, were there any unused scripts? Emergency was so well written. Were there any like unused <laughs> scripts or scenes that might inspire what we're trying to do here? There was an unproduced script where uh, I would have played my own twin brother, um, (laughs) come back from the Arctic, fought lost for many years. But alas, it was scrapped because I was, quote, too difficult, unquote. (laughs) There was a conspiracy against me on the set, you see. I'm sure. Oh, that's a pity. That would have been amazing. Still, I believe I gave one of the best death scenes ever witnessed on daytime television. None of us saw it. We're like nodding. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I can only hope that this um, minister that um, Del Rimple spoke of is a fan of certain legacy television programs that some esthetes regard as classics. Hmm. All right. Well, shall we uh, pursue Riz's idea and hit the streets? Ben, you're welcome to join us. And, uh, uh all right, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take... I might just grab a camera, actually. I'm pretty handy with a camera, in case you want one. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I have this vintage 16mm uh, camera that I'll take out with me. It's probably large. Oh, yeah, yeah. This could be dangerous, though. Maybe we should have, like, a safe word. <laughs> Wolf. So just to be clear, the safe word serves what purpose in this scenario? <laughs> no, just if we if we find real danger out on the streets, we say wolf. 
and then everyone knows, like, Arr. You're saying woof. What do you mean? <laughs> like what a dog says? No, like, a, you know, like a wolf is a, a dangerous animal. So if I just yell, like, woof, it's kind of like a, you know. That's a wolf. Yes. Okay, we're in agreement then. Uh, wolf will be the safe word. We're not saying the same thing. <laughs> I'm not hearing. I mean, I, there's the accent difference, right? But Yeah, I think it's the accent, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can try to say it in like a cockney way if that helps you. It would not, no. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. I'm just going to put this tea in this thermos flask so we can take it along with us. <laughs> have a care. <laughs> It will be hot hours from now. <laughs> when you think it is at its most tepid, that is when it's at its most dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold that between your legs. Uh, oh, yes. Spill it on your lap, you know. Yeah, and we know it's close to the lap, don't we, Riz? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but so the goal now is to go out into the street and um, sort of interview Jonathan Q. Public on what uh, makes them fill with fright. Hmm? Mm, yeah, I think yeah, you can take the lead on the interviews. I'll shoot. Riz will write down ideas and Ben will uh, be there too. And I suppose since I'll be on camera, then uh, this I will be considered talent <laughs> in, in this little venture. Oh, well, yeah, it sounds like the budget's good. So I'm sure we can pay you your daily rate for this. Good. I do not work on spec. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Off we go. So it is late morning in Soho. The streets are fairly quiet at this time. You can hear there's some activity from not too far away from the fruit and veg market. But uh, on the whole, a lot of the, the locals, at least those who aren't in the media business, don't really operate at this time. There's a bit of traffic. But yeah, the, the footfall is, is fairly light at the moment. But then again, you're in the West End. There are plenty of other more populous places you could go around here. But are you just, what, trying to stop random passers-by and, and <laughs> terrify them? <laughs> I'm taking B-roll until Adrian and, and Riz get inspired. We have to start somewhere. There are people out and about. There are definitely some people who you can identify just from the way they're dressed are probably in the media business. As I mentioned, you're not too far away from the BBFC offices. There are other people wandering around who, judging by their hangovers, either had a very rough night last night or their night has perhaps just come to an end. I think Kirby, having done many of these, is going to look for a school. <laughs> there aren't any schools around here. Mm-hmm. Bless your heart, Scott. Uh. <laughs> Riz looks around at like the media types and, and the folks with their hangovers. Do we feel like this area gives us a good cross-section, good representation of the average person? Uh, we could go to a farm. <laughs> what? <laughs> a farm. Uh, uh, anyway, you're the writer. You're the writer. It's fine, Riz. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, I'm curious about this farm idea. Ben, what do you think? Farm? I, there's not a farm near here, Mr Sullivan. There's just not. Oh. Time, I think, is somewhat of the essence as well. 
<laughs> Sorry, in America, there's a farm every 10 miles, I assumed. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Amber waves of grain and all that. Yeah. Shall we approach a random ass passerby? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll tell you what, let's put this down to a group luck roll. <laughs> Do you want to roll then, Nick? Oh, sure. Oh, goodness. Is this going to be a Fena day or a sunny day? Mm-hmm. The piano's going to fall on you. <laughs> nah. I rolled a 93. <laughs> yeah. You can see that there's a, a young man who's walking towards you. He looks a bit distracted. Every now and then he stops and looks around as if as if he's looking for something and then just shakes his head and starts walking in your direction again. Uh, as he gets closer, you can see that his eyes do look a bit red and there are bags under his eyes. He looks quite drawn. Hmm. He starts pushing Adrian towards. <laughs> Go. There, that one, that one. Okay, this is someone who has a relationship with uh, the unpleasant. Uh, excuse <laughs> me, sir, good morning. Might I beg a moment of your time? <laughs> who are you? Um, perhaps you might recognize me from certain television programs. Name is Adrian Trumpel. Uh, you might better know me as Dr. Rawley Pepper. No? <laughs> Uh, okay, never mind. Um, scratch that. Um, would you would you have uh, just a moment? Uh, might I play upon your patience for a moment for a brief interview? The, yeah, you already are, mate. But yeah, all right. Let me just make this quick. Uh, certainly. Um, in a world full of so many fears and terrors, what is it that scares you the most? <sighs> Filming very close. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of of talking to people on the street. Hmm. Yes. That kind of makes my skin crawl. Yes, most people say public speaking, yes. (laughs) Yeah, let's see, apart from that, I guess the bed bugs in my bed sit, I'm I'm pretty fucking scared of those. Some of those things, I mean, they're like the size of my thumb. Let's see, uh, don't like daylight much. I think Ben's been listening and uh, it's really taken on board the brief to, you know, to, to scare people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So, you know, he knows the streets around here. Is, is there like a building where something could like drop out a window or something? He can go upstairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <okay>. So <laughs> Ben, trying to be helpful, a little too enthusiastic, is just going to go upstairs to, I, I don't know, maybe one of these um, antique shop, let's say. Open a window, find something to drop out. <laughs> There's a fairly cheap and nasty looking carriage clock that's just about the right size. <laughs> so he would take that and as this guy is being filmed close up, literally drop it out so it just smashes behind him. <laughs> Can you give me a dex roll, please? <laughs> Absolutely going to fail this, but let's try. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Which one of us does he hit? (laughs) (laughs) That, I think, comes down to a luck roll from Adrian, then. All right, here we go. Oh, okay. Let's see how lucky I am. Uh, uh (laughs) Uh-oh. No, I rolled a 63 over 50. (laughs) 
Yeah, a couple of things happen in quick succession. So there is this sudden blur of motion from above as this carriage clock comes down and clips Adrian on the shoulder. The size of your thumb, you say? God! <laughs> Doing <laughs> four hit points of damage. <laughs> Jesus. Oh no, that's, that's a significant chunk. And bounces off you, hits the ground, shatters with a loud noise. The man looks at this in terror, jumps back into the road, into traffic, and gets clipped by a taxi. <laughs> yes. The taxi swerves from this and goes straight into a lamppost, bounces off it and into the plate glass of a shop front. There's a woman walking just by the shop front who looks on in terror as this sheet of glass falls out of the shop front and lands on her, shattering, cutting her badly. Can I please roll my filmmaking skill to see how much I capture? <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> First getting like the anguish on Adrian's face and then like cutting to the action. <laughs> Riz is standing there, mouth wide open, just furiously taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I have an ordinary success. Yeah, you've managed to capture it. Excellent. It'll take a bit of editing to make it look good, but yeah, you've probably got the basics of something there. Yeah, kind of like, Adrian, are you okay? While filming everything, like zooming on him. No. No, my boy, I fear it may be mortal. <laughs> <laughs> The man you were speaking to is just sitting in the road, having just been hit by a cab. Was that a fucking carriage clock? <laughs> can I roll acting to see if I can pull it together? <laughs> you sure, yeah. <laughs> the young man is just shaking his head, saying, I always knew it would end like this. <laughs> because of the videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I failed. <laughs> you you rolled a 45 and you felt no wonder they fed you to the sharks yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I tried to make a feeble attempt to take to the camera just so you see danger is everywhere <laughs> lurking all around us I'm thinking god Donald Pleasance would have nailed that mm -hmm. uh, yeah <laughs> it's good Adrian it's good Feeble thumbs up from Adrian. After that, I'm going to try to get the guy in the street, like a close-up on him. He's sitting there just looking pale, and he's probably swearing a bit too much for you to be able to use this footage. <laughs> mm. On the other hand, the woman who was hit by the plate glass window is lying there unconscious and bleeding all over the pavement. Oh, that's good video. Yeah, that's good film. I'm going to do that. Uh, yeah, this is terrible. Did anyone see what happened? Ben? Not noticing that he's left. <laughs> Ben might come down about now, I think. <laughs> a, a little kind of, you know, shaken by the chaos he's created. And I think he might just sort of turn to, to Roz and go, was that all right? What? <laughs> Sorry, did, did you do that? Was that you? Well, not the whole thing, but the carriage clock. I just, he said scare people, so I... <laughs> There's a, a conflict <laughs> happening inside Riz right now of, like, understanding that... The woman's bleeding out. There is all this glass everywhere. They haven't had to pay for any of this. So the production <laughs> value here is actually really good. And I think she just kind of like very quietly, she's like, yeah, 
Yeah, that was that was uh, that was really good. Yeah. Great. Great. Thanks. Oh, thanks. I call over Kirby, who, unless he's busy filming the woman, just like Sullivan, Mister Sullivan. Before I perish, tell me, <laughs> did you capture it on film? <laughs> Kirby's going to look at Adrian in the eyes, realizing that he didn't bring any audio equipment and only captured the film. <laughs> no, And he's going to say, yes, I got, I got it. I got it, Adrian. Then it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> then it's all been for something. <laughs> you were great. It's very believable injury. Riz? Huh? We have it then? Um, I, uh, all right, I'm having an idea that maybe this is a winning formula. <laughs> I kind of feel like maybe we should just kind of go out and do this a lot and then see what we end up with. <laughs> yeah, but what are the odds that a carriage clock's going to fall out of another window? Uh, I'm, it, you know, that's a good point, <laughs> but I think... You, you never know, though. You never it, know. It happens all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen it, but... It would be a good title for your film, wouldn't it? You never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You never know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our wolf pack at patreon.com slash Slade, Or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and... Good luck out there.